It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time. This is Maritime Radio Greenwich. So, good evening and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. My name is Louis Mendes. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley as we look ahead to Saturday's game with AFC Wimbledon is Greg Stubby. How are you doing, Mr. Stubbers? Yeah, I'm good, Louis. I'm yeah. very good. Yeah, Two look- weeks in a row as well. It's some, some sort of record. Yeah, it's a special moment for Charlton Live and his yeah. fans. And, yeah, and, and, for, <laughs> and for the whole country. Don't put yourself down. Okay, thank you. <laughs> on tonight's show, uh, plenty to talk about. We're going to talk about some comments that uh, surfaced from Igor Betakaili uh, during the week. Remember him? Uh, we can, uh, uh, we're going to hear the list of Stubbers players that he thinks we should sign that we were supposed to do last week, but then we got waylaid and did something else. Useless. <laughs> so we're going to do that. What, useless players or useless radio? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, so we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our old friend, uh, Mr. Tom Dryson. His, his name's come up again, hasn't it, during the last uh, last few days. Uh, we're going to hear from Lee Novak, his interview after uh, Saturday's game up at Fleetwood. Uh, talk about the crossbar challenge that's being introduced and uh, what I think it should be replaced with already, which is a former Sheffield Wednesday game, which I very much enjoyed a couple of seasons ago. Talk about the Black and White Day coming up uh, on Saturday for uh, being run by Card, the coalition against Roland de Chateau. We haven't really given them much of a mince yet this season, really. It's a... Uh, I think they're going to start getting into the swing of things again. Now, I'm going to hear from Jason Yule. The club have very kindly uh, given us access to a, a bit of Jason Yule audio. Um, they've, they've done a piece on with, with Big Jace for the programme on Saturday because obviously he used to play for the real Wimbledon. Uh, and he played for AFC as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did, yeah. And uh, obviously he's here now, so he's uh, got a bit with him. Then uh, we're also going to do a, a Charlton connection. We're, we've, we're not doing Jace because we've already gone for something else. We're going to do Herman Haridison, played for Wimbledon about 25 times uh, before before he played for us, I think. So um, Yeah, and Ipswich, yeah. Yeah, and Ipswich. So, um, if you want to share your memories of Herman Haridison, you can do. You can uh, email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at Charlton Live, uh, and then of course we are. We will at one point look ahead to the game with uh, with AFC Woman. I guess uh, first things first. Top of the show uh, this week. Some comments surfaced with, from uh, Igor Vitekeli from a, a, I think a Belgian sports website that was interviewing him about his time at the club, um, about uh, sort of the, the time when him and Bob Peters were here, his injury, why he thought Bob was sacked, all this sort of thing. A, a fair few interesting sort of lines come up, really, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that screams out to you when you read those comments, if you haven't done so already, I do recommend um, you reading them, is that Bob Peters was, was such an integral part of Vitekeli's time here, and um, certainly, from from memory, when when Vitekeli was at the club, that he 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 was on top form at that start of that season um, when Peters was in charge, and and he looked unstoppable. He looked a fantastic signing. He was quick. He was direct. He was strong. And I, I remember playing. Uh, we we played against was it Bournemouth away where he got their Achilles injury and we lost one 0 the first mm. defeat under Peters. And he played upside alongside Carlin Hearn Grant, someone we spoke about last week. Um, 17 years old at the time 
And it was huge responsibility on Vitakele, someone who's not who's new to, to English football to to lead the line week in, week out and all of a sudden he got injured and we had to bring him back quicker than than probably we wanted to because all we had at the time we me and you were trying to work out off off air who we had at the time for strikers and we could only think of about four options and Vitakele was one of them, Carlin Hungrant was another, George Tukadian and Simon Church who was injured himself. So um, during that time, Vitakele was such an integral part that when he got injured, we had nothing, so we had to bring him back quicker. And then all of a sudden, because of that, he wasn't fit enough, and consequently, Charlton weren't scoring the goals that could keep Peters the job, and it, it just mm. all started from there. Yeah, just the, the way uh, Igor's story goes, is he, he described his uh, his time his time with Charlton as the most difficult period in his life. Uh, he said that when he heard that. Um, that Bob Peters was at the club. He he jumped at the chance. He wanted to work with Bob. He'd worked with him before, I think, hasn't yeah. he? At, at one of the older clubs. And then um, uh, he he was sort of sort of, sort of saying that he didn't want to be part of the Du Chatelet network. He wanted to be a Charlton player. Didn't want to risk being shifted around. And he said he said he made that quite clear. So that's quite interesting that the players, even even like coming in at that time, know sort of what what the system potentially was about in terms of potentially having to be shifted around and that. Yeah, there was definitely signs that. Um, Vitakele and Guy Luzon didn't get on um, that was quite clear from from a press point of view when you see, you see in interviews the way he conducted himself and um, even on the pitch he never really looked quite happy and it's difficult for a player we've got to remember that um, Vitakele as I've just mentioned is someone who never played in England before he still was 22-23 when he's playing for us this is someone who's a, who's a young young Belgian striker who's come over here and playing regularly for us and then getting injured and I mean, getting injured at a young age and it's quite a painful injury for him. Being risked and getting injured again is—I mean—that's demoralising for anyone, um, let alone let alone a, a professional footballer. And then, um, as I mentioned, he didn't get along with Luzon, and then it just never really worked for him. And you mentioned the Peters connection, and obviously Peters left. It's just a number of things for him that just kept going wrong, and you can see he was low in confidence. You can see that he just never really reached the heights that he did at that start. And I, I do hope that he has a good season this year on on loan and and could come back in the future. But I can't see it being at the Valley for long term. I think you could see it in his mind that, ironically, his Achilles heel was his Achilles heel. <laughs> he was like, I remember one game away at. Blackburn. I remember seeing him going down on the edge of the box, and straight away he was writhing around in agony. Physio comes on, he calms down and realises he's actually fine. It's just, it's, it's almost like a mental thing. He probably found himself not, not putting in the same exact work rate, perhaps because he's worried he was going to get injured, and all, and all these things sort of add up into, into the reason why his performances were nowhere near like, like they were at the start. Because you remember that that game away at Brighton earlier on in that season where he would scored twice. Yeah. And I mean, the, the first goal was good, and the second goal was one of the best strikers' goals I've ever seen. Collecting a cross from Simon Church. I mean, if you know, if it's a cross from Simon Church, it was on a plate. But then he still had, he still had a bit of work to do, cutting inside and score. But then you, we, when we saw that, we thought he was heading for the, you know, for the heights of, of what he could achieve. After that injury, it was never the same. Well, I remember we were worried about. Um, the African Cup of Nations in, in January and we were worried that Vitekele was going to go off and we had no one else there and as I mentioned he, he, we relied so much on him it was so much pressure on someone who's who's young and in, in English football for the first time I mean this season it's a bit different where you've got Nicky Jose then you've got the two other guys Lee Novak's very experienced and Josh McGuinness has been playing at, at top level for Northern Ireland so there's a bit of difference there. There's not reliance on Nicky Jose all the time to get the goals. Other players are going to chip in with him. That, compare that to the start of that season where up front, as I've mentioned, there was no real experienced players. I mean, Simon Church, you could argue, is an experienced player, but he was injured himself. So you were relying on Vitekele so much that 
not only himself but the club as well were probably forcing him back too quickly because we knew how important it was. And as you mentioned, that Brighton game, I remember seeing him for the first time away at Portsmouth in a pre-season friendly. He, he scored, scored a screamer, didn't he? scored yeah. a screamer, yeah. And, you know, we saw glimpses of it. Well, we saw quite a lot of that to begin with. And as I mentioned, it, it just got to a stage where it just never really came back and you could tell it was not going to come back for a while. Mm. It was interesting, he, said, he says in the article that he thought it was a mistake to sack Bob Peters and he thought that the reason Bob was sacked is because the club's ambitions became too lofty after we went that 11-game unbeaten run at the start of that season. He obviously thought that actually worked. He thought that we set our sights too high after that. I think it was a combination of things, really. I think he could be right. We, we got off to a start that I don't think a lot of people expected. Um, and we, I remember a couple of games we deserved to, to win. And we, you know, we were fantastic. But Derby at home when we won 3-2. It's one of the best performances I've seen from a child side. We played some great football. I think a lot of things went wrong for that time for, for Bob. One was because we didn't have the squad depth. Um, and two, there were players who started so well at the beginning of that season until like Andre BK. And when it came... But, between like the Christmas and, and January period, their form just dipped, their heads dropped, and that's really when we would have liked the likes of Michael Morrison to come in, but he was already gone by that stage. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the thing uh, you need you need to understand that when players aren't going to play well all season, sometimes there will be a period when they need they need to drop out, and that's why you have a squad and you don't just give away your players to Birmingham. I mean, Peters was was one of those managers who, to begin with, we were thinking, yeah, he's you know he's got something about him, and then when the going got tough, he he just really didn't seem to have the, the, the awareness to change games and, ma- and make a difference. But he was unlucky at times. He, you know, we think about that Millwall game where Tukadian went through on goal. I mean, <laughs> any I'm other day might have gone about in. <laughs> But my point is, is that if that if that goes in, we win that game, yeah. confidence would have been sky high and we, we might have gone on to win the next couple mm. of games. Little things I've matter always, in the league. I've always been convinced, though, because, because it was Millwall. If it was anyone else, he probably would score. Because of Millwall, even if he'd actually connected once he's got it past the goalkeeper, like a dog would have run on and cleared it off the line or something, because we, we're not allowed to win against Millwall. Well, we'll, we'll see about that coming soon. <laughs> well, yeah, that might get postponed, by the way, for the international duties are... Uh, be aware of that. He also, uh, Igor, in, in this piece, mentioned about how he, he felt his um, his injury wasn't very well diagnosed. He, he sort of talks about how the he says a photograph, sort of like I think people think an MRI scan that was was taken from the wrong angle in England. I, mean, I don't know if that's a slight uh, lost in translation sort of thing, but he's, he's obviously felt that it, the, whatever his injury was wasn't picked up, and and that was part of him being forced to come back too early. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird one. You don't know who to blame for that. I mean, a lot of people look at the physio, but. Um, interestingly enough, I've been seeing a physio recently for my, for my knee, um, and he actually knows Errol, who was the physio last year, and I was talking to him about players who get rushed back for injuries and players' injuries not being diagnosed. And you're saying, well, in truth, some players will say they're fine. Some players will, will turn around and say, no, no, I'm okay, and this injury is is fine, and, and, and sort of battle through the pain when really it's a long-term thing. In the case of Igor, I think the problem was that he had picked up so many niggling injuries, he probably didn't know what was what. You know, I don't know if that oper- if that scan was on his Achilles or on his, his more his pelvis injury that he had. It could have been a number of things. So, again, it's it's a question of you don't know where to, the 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 problem lies, and hopefully those mistakes won't be, won't happen again. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that, that Russell Slade brought up um, quite early on this this season. It's talking about how when um when he came in, there was there was players who didn't even know what day they were due back, and players who who'd had injuries didn't know, you know, hadn't really been looked after over the summer. So that's obviously something that. 
an English football manager <laughs> or an English experienced football manager one that knows that, that that's just a basic of what needs to be done and that's what Slade seemed quite upset when he was talking about that in, in think, that press I, conference didn't I it? think that's the problem as well when you've got a lot of different sort of nationalities involved and as a, you know I'm, I'm not specifically talking Belgian I'm talking about the fact that, that Ahmed Kashi's you know doesn't speak the greatest of English um, even though that sentence isn't <laughs> yeah. grammatically correct you could join um, him in, in the injury room yeah, now. <laughs> I should do actually with my knee um, but my point is is that there was probably a number of things that were said and asked and and things that had to be done and never really came across and I, I get the impression that this year there's a lot more behind the scenes that has, has been sorted out a lot, lot of better communication with, within the ranks and, and hopefully that'll be the case and we'll, we'll see a, a number of players coming back from injury and, and lasting a while rather than coming back from injury and then playing a couple of games and going back to the injury room yeah uh, it's good to hear Jim Dutton, Jimmy C's grandson's listening now on the tune-in uh, app. He says, looking forward to the match on Saturday. It's the day after his 60th birthday party. He may, he may be late. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. Yeah, so, so that'd be good. So yeah, so, so the, the, I think one of, the whole, one of the main things you can pick up out of this Igor Vettikeli story is, is just the way that the, the, the club had been run at times over the last few years. It's one of the many reasons why we found ourselves set back. And I guess that's one of the things that, that hopefully is being fixed now, hopefully. I mean, there must be some reason why teams like Leicester last year just didn't have an injury. It can't be just luck. There must be some involvement in the training ground or some sort of fitness drill that's is, is changing. And I mean, people talk about Errol and people say, you know, he, he was a it was a big reason, or or they assume he was a big reason. But I just think about it. he was our main physio during the year we got promoted from League One last yeah. last time, and I don't remember remember any long term injuries there. Certainly not any injuries. I mean. There was a couple of niggles a lot of the time. Royce Wiggins picked up quite a lot during that time. But Charlton has always been unlucky with injuries. You think about some of our greatest players, Clive Mendonca, Richard Rufus, have all had their careers cut short because of injury. And I just think sometimes you, you just you get that luck. It's more to do with the communication. And maybe the things that went wrong were, instead of saying, let's bring him back for September, maybe someone like Vitticelli should have been given another couple of months off and work on, on getting better and then come back in the team in, at a certain point. But because we didn't have that squad in depth during that time, we suffered the, the price for that. All right, so you listen to Charlton Live as the big match preview here on Maritime Radio. Back in uh, 30 seconds or so, we're going to hear the long-awaited lists of uh, players that Greg Stubbley thinks that Charlton should be signing. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. Charlton Live from the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. This is Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio, the home of time. You can uh, listen to your your favourite music and everything local on 101.4 FM in the Greenwich area on the TuneIn app or on the Maritime Radio website, which is maritimeradio.london or indeed the Charlton Live website, charltonlive.co.uk. Right, last week... uh, 
Greg went to all, all the effort of putting together a, lo- a lovely long list of players that we, we, we could be signing. Now the transfer window's closed. I think, is it mainly sort of free agents? And They're all free agents. They're all yeah. free agents. So the sort of players we should be signing. Greg put in all, all the hard work there. And then I even I even started to introduce you. I said, we're going to come back from this break. And, and then we forgot to do it. <laughs> so so we thought we'd, we'd still go because uh, they're still free agents, I'm hoping. Has, have any been snapped up in that time? Uh, no, not as far yeah. as I'm aware. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I haven't actually looked so... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, let's say now, now, that, now that the transfer window is closed and we know there's no loan window now, um, so it's, it's different. But uh, we've seen the likes of the, was it Dean Cox has been picked up by Crawley now. Yeah. Uh, Rotherham signed a striker the other day, I can't remember who. Uh, so so you, you can still do some business, um, and, and this is the business you think we should be doing. Well, it's not necessarily business I think we should be doing. It's players that I've identified as possible targets purely because Slade a couple of weeks ago mentioned that um, we, we, we tried to get another wing and couldn't get one in and I'm just thinking from a squad point of view I, I, I don't want to think of it as like a, a signing that will come in and immediately make a difference but someone who m- might be on the bench and might be useful for us um, so the first one I've got is a Chris Burke who used to be at Birmingham I mean, he used to play for Cardiff as well Rotherham last year I think um, he's a winger uh, he's experienced can play either wing um, the question about him was that, you know, one wages, but two, would he drop down a division? And is he, is he, you know, I think he's thirty-three, so is he too old? But I just think that if you've got the likes of Lookman, Holmes, um, Bataka, and then Chris Burke, I mean, that's a great, um, great force on there to, to to be on the bench and, and make a difference to the squad. And certainly, he's someone that I th- I think would be a, a Russell Slade type player. Um, the second one, and this is a bit a bit dubious because I'm not sure if he's re-signed for his old team or if he's still a free agent. Right. Um, because on the internet, it was, a, it was a bit of a weird one. But someone who was on trial with, with Ipswich during the summer um, and played at the Valley, he played up front, but he's more of a winger. It's a guy called it's Roland, actually. Roland Lamar. Um, he's Belgian international ex-Swansea. That'd be confusing um, if we signed him, wouldn't it? We were rolling down. Well, that's what, it'd be a bit confusing for him, wouldn't it? <laughs> if uh, the fans start chanting rolling now, it's thinking, well, what have I done? I've just yeah, arrived. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's a, he's a tricky player, a bit like Bataka. But the main issue with him, I imagine, because he's played at quite a high level, his wages would be higher. But it's just a question of how much money would be available to get someone like that in. And would he be an automatic first teamer? Probably not. He'd probably be a, more of a bench player to begin with. And he's probably someone who'd want to, if he was going to drop down this low, would want to start immediately. Um, and someone else I've, I've put down, and this one's a bit more of a, this is not someone I necessarily want to bring in, but it would be quite funny in some ways. It's someone who used to play for us, Salim Kirkar. Salim, bring him back. Bring him back. 6 0 and even Kirkar scored, not? yeah. You know, you know. Uh, the last time I can remember him playing, we beat Barnsley 6 0 and he scored scored the fifth. Well, you know, he had some good games for us. He, I mean, he, he, was, he had some terrible ones as well, but <laughs> he was a left winger. He was, uh, he was quite The amount of times and, we had to play him at left back as well. Yeah, I mean, that, well, we won't talk about that, but mm. he's someone who I think went out into the Bulgaria League, uh, the highest division. Um, you know, he played in the championship for us, and it was okay. He wasn't the worst player for us. So mm. if he came in now and was a squad player, um, it probably wouldn't be the the worst signing in the world. But mm. he's certainly someone from a sentimental point of view. I, I did a I did an interview with him for for my for an old blog I used to do. Um, Rubbishfootballers dot com. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I can't speak too much because I think he follows me on Twitter, so I can't tweet about that. But um, no, he's, you know, he's, to be honest, he's one of the nicest guys I've met. Yeah. And I think from a squad point of view, he'd, he'd probably add something. He's a bit, bit different in that way, and he's, I think he's still only 29. So uh, I'm just thinking from a squad point of view, you'd probably rather him be on your bench than, than someone who's too inexperienced and comes in a bit too early. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're three players I've identified. Three players, so there you uh, go. Heard it here first. Greg Stobley is calling for Charlton to re-sign Salim Kirka. Um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, the the sort of the way we've been doing our business in terms of signing players has been in the in the news a lot over the last few weeks because we we found out about that that Thomas Dryzen guy. And it's just be, you know you hear, hear hearing a thing. I think there's gonna there's gonna be um, a piece in the Voice of the Valley fanzine, which is out over the weekend. Um, uh, I always buy that. One time there's gonna be a, a piece about this, this Thomas Dryzen in, and I'm just hearing hearing a little snippet is that. Um, at the start of this season, Thomas Dryson tried to overrule the signings of, a- of Andrew Crofts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so if, if, you, um, if, if, you, if you get your voice of the value, you'll, you'll read that and you'll read more. Um, and and uh, I, was, uh, I understand that Russell Slade told, <laughs> told uh, Mowgli where to go, as, as, as to put it. And, and it's because it's, it's, what we were talking about, we talking about last week, weren't we? You we sort of yeah. saying we can't imagine he'd still be involved. But it sounds like as, as recent as the start of this season, he was trying to get involved at least. Yeah, um, it's disappointing to hear that. I think the thing is with Andrew Cross um, is that he's not the most creative player. He's not the most uh, dynamic of central midfielders. He, uh, he used to be a bit more of a box-to-box midfielder, a chipping with with a few goals. I think he used to score something like eight goals a season for Jindam and, and Norwich and teams like that. Now he's a bit a bit deeper, but what he gives to this side is that experience, that knowledge, and you've you've heard it already from youngsters say how how good he's been for them, and I think he's someone that over the season, as the season goes by, will get better. Um, a lot of people forget he had, he he has a long term injury was it last season or, or mid, middle of last season, so he's someone who's probably still getting used to playing ninety minutes week in week out and. You know, I think he. A lot of people say I wasn't there Saturday, but apparently Saturday he had a bit of a poor game. But certainly from what I've seen this season, he's someone who's who's helped the midfield, and he's as games have gone by, he's he progressively got better. And it's disappointing to hear that sort of comment because those sort of players is what you trust your manager on. Someone mm. like Russell Slade, who's worked with Cross before, and knows what he's about, knows what he is about a person. And last year, we were lacking characters like Cross in the team. Yeah. Not necessarily that the playing ability of Cross. We had a lot of good players, probably some who were better than Cross who have now gone. But the, my point is, is that we lacked those characters that would, would keep the team up last year. And someone yeah. like Cross is, is someone you want on your team if you're trying to get promoted yeah, great start by the England ladies by the way 2-0 up at home to Estonia Jill Scott's just got the second up at Notts County I mean, we talk about it's disappointing to hear that but when, when, when you're sort of understanding the fact that apparently Slade's gone turned around and told him no this is how it's going to be this is how it's going to stick that's really encouraging isn't it because I think I think the only the last person we knew who tried to do that was Chrissy Powell and he got sacked um, mm. but but I mean if, if Russell can stamp his authority on, on this club which we know he will do he will try to do and if he, if he can do it, then we, we, we can trust him to to get the sort of players we want. I mean, he's done it before at, at, at Leighton Orient and uh, was it Grimsby he got, he, yeah. he got promoted with as well? Well, I mean, you, <laughs> I don't want to bring this up again, but you've experienced what uh, yeah. Russell can be like uh, at times. And I think that's what we need at the moment. Um, yeah. Not necessarily you need. Yeah. Saying, I, saying I, I, I felt like I didn't need it at the time. No, but you, I think no one needed the, 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 the club needs it. Yeah, and, the, yeah. we do. We, you know, I think that's the great thing about Russell is that 
he won't take that sort of nonsense. He, you know, he'll come in and and he'll he'll say what he wants. He'll put his stamp on, put his stamp down. And I think he has done that so far. You can tell, and uh, it might explain as well why some of these trialists took a little bit longer. Foley was signed like, literally the day before we played yeah. Barry, I think, and he was someone who was involved with the squad throughout. And I think there there lies a bit of an issue. And you, you, I mean, we've talked about last week about the players that we didn't get in towards the end of the transfer window. There were names mentioned. And you just wonder if there was names thrown at him that that came from 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 this Thomas guy who well, I, did, I, I get the impression that, that that sort of thing might have been happening because because you, you remember the amount of times we spoke to Russell and uh, not not that specific interview but he talked about patience quite a lot mm. and he, and he also there's what every every now and then he sort of say you know I'm not just going to take anyone I'm going to make sure we get the right characters so it, it, it felt like to me that he was being off of players but. That's not him. That's not his yeah. sort of bag, sort of thing. And, well, and he again, and he was deciding on that and turning players down, which is which is a good thing. Again, that's a, yeah, exactly. In, in, it's, well, it's, it's a, a good it's thing a, that he was turning them yeah, down. It's no, not a good thing no, he was being offered. In them. general, it's yeah. not a good thing. But it's, there's positives to take from that. And I think Slade is someone who, as the season will go on, will know what he expects from his side. When it comes January, you'll probably know how to improve it. I think he's probably, in my opinion, Slade's got a bigger task. Uh, on on his hands than, than Powell did when Powell had to had to change the whole squad and purely because he's Slade's got win over the fans as well and mm. Powell never really had that issue Powell had to prove himself as a manager that's probably the biggest task he had he, he wanted to prove himself but he didn't have to win over the fans the fans in, in the majority had the backing of him yeah. um, but Slade came into the and whilst we, we were ready to give Slade the chance the the whole progression thing of well Slade might you know is he going to be a bit of a yes man is he going to take on these players well certainly so far he's shown that he's not yeah so now it's a question of well can he can he stay until January and if he can stay until January where are we going to be and who's going to come in then yeah and uh, in terms of winning over the family he's got his meet the manager thing at the Valley tonight we uh, we were, were chatting to a Clive who does a does a stint on Maritime Radio during the week he's 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 a Charlton fan as well he's down for the uh, down for the evening tonight so that that'd be a good way for him to meet the fans I mean. He he sort of said in uh, in his press day today something along the lines of he hasn't really had much chance to interact with the fans and that's true I think the only we, we've seen him like doffing his cap quite literally at, at, at a couple of home games and then he hasn't really had too much interaction I think he was um he was interested in the Fleetwood game where he seemed slightly disappointed with the reactions to his to his subs by one one or two fans but I think you know on the whole I imagine he's probably pretty happy with you know, considering everything that has gone at this club I, I still think the, the the fans are pretty good especially the the, yeah, the noise definitely. inside inside home games at times yeah the start of this season especially I, I remember the Northampton game um, was one of the loudest I've heard the Valley to begin with and I was really surprised by that considering the the sort of week we had with the with the Cheltenham and Bury defeats but I mean that's a credit to the fans but also credit to to Russell who's Who's been quite um, supportive of the fans throughout, and I mean, and you, you talked about Saturday, and I, you know, I get the impression that fans are going to be a little bit disappointed that Ricky Holmes may not last ninety minutes every week. And we spoke about this. He's twenty nine years old. He's going to pick up a lot of injuries because of the type of player he is. So if we, if we, you know, I think if we brought on a player who was really inexperienced and was out of position there, you're, you're asking for trouble. But the fact is, he brought on Jordan Bataka, who. Um, who hasn't really had an opportunity, but went away on international duty and scored a goal and got an assist. Was full of confidence and came on and made a difference, as, as evident by the second goal, which he was largely involved in. So, I mean, credit to, to Russell for sticking to his guns with that one, and hopefully we'll, we'll see similar impact with Pataka in, in weeks to come. All yeah, right, England ladies now 3-0 up on Estonia. Danielle Carter with her second of the game. Right, on Saturday after the game, uh, me and Tell got to speak to Lee Novak, the, the scorer of Charlton's second equaliser. Late on, got his first goal for the Addicts. Uh, don't forget, he's, he's had that long layoff with his with his hand injury, so I think he was he was a happy to get out there. And of course, 
be happy to get that first goal. Um, obviously, we couldn't play this interview on Sunday because uh, it was embargoed until Monday morning for the local papers. But let's have a listen to what Lee Novak said after Saturday's 2-2 draw up at Fleetwood. Delighted with the first goal for the club. Delighted to uh, get some uh, playing time under your belt, but maybe a little bit frustra- frustrated with the result. Yeah, it's a frustrating result. You know, we, we've come out of win, it hasn't worked out. But, um, you know, I'm, like you said, it's the first goal for Charlton and I'm more than happy to get off the, off the line, basically. All subs made a difference when they come uh, when they came on as we were we were chasing the game um, and uh, a decent move. Bataka doing particularly well down the right hand side. Did you know where the ball was coming to to get on the end of it? Yeah, I just knew if I put myself, you know, in a in a danger area, I might come in. You know, Kev just said there that it was a shot, and luckily for me, I was in the right place to just tap it in. We were calling it good cross, fair enough. Uh, but uh, perhaps more importantly, after the goal, when it was two two, there was a a moment in the box where um, we've seen the replay but even at the time it looked like a Stonewall penalty was it? Yeah you know he's not touched the ball I've went for the ball I think they've basically left each other <coughs> and I've gone between them and he's brought me down sometimes you get them sometimes you don't I felt it was a penalty I've watched it back and I still think it was a penalty you now if you get that then, then it's a different game Does the referee answer a question on the pitch to, or do you just wave it, wave it away and tee it again with it? To be honest, he was he was well away before, you know, because they broke, so I never got to ask him. But you know, watching the replay, it's a, it's a Stonewall penalty. Well, result aside, uh, I mentioned before, so you've managed to get minutes on the pitch. Must have been a bit of a frustrating time for you coming to the club with your hand injury and not being able to uh, get out there and make a difference. Yeah, it's been very frustrating. You know, you come to a new club, you want to hit the ground running, and for me, it didn't happen. But you know, I've been strong, and uh, Josh and Nicky's been brilliant up there. And lucky for me today, I've come on and made a made a bit of a difference. Now, just hopefully, I can force me way into the starting lineup. I know it's not going to be easy but you know that's what I want to do and get more goals Must be um, pleasing at least because pre-season you seem to be striking up a partnership with Nicky and Jose so you've got that to fall back on the manager has that in his mind so uh, at least he knows you, uh, you can uh, you can do something together in there Yeah I mean Nicky linked up well in pre-season you know the few times we played together but I felt like me and Josh also linked well, well together today you know um, but whoever's up there we've got a job to do and you know I thought Nicky and Josh done brilliant today and then I've come on and got the ball as well well, congratulations on the goal. Maybe not the win, but uh, well done for getting it. Sort of been watching from the sidelines so far, but I guess you've had a chance to maybe assess, assess how Charlton are looking so far. Do you, do you think there's a, a squad in there that, that's, that's going to challenge up the top? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I've had a promotion out of this league before, and I've had disappointments. And you know, it is a squad that you know is, is looking to push on. We've got a lot of new players. It's going to take a time to, to gel, but I feel like we're getting getting that now in the togetherness. And you know, you know, substitutions can change the game. Lucky for us today, it did. As you say, um, the, uh, the the goal at the end, right in front of the, the Charlton fans as well. That must be a nice uh, nice way to get off the mark in front of fans who've travelled all this way. Yeah, you know they've come out with numbers today. It's not the not the easiest journey to make, but you know just to get that goal was brilliant. And made it even more special in front of them. Lovely ball into the part of Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the Vinicone! And there's a goal! Charlton have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out to Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area picked out Vinicone, who buried his chance, and Charlton a 2-1 up. From the home of time, time. this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich.
Channel Live, the big match. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. TV here on Maritime Radio. Going to be looking ahead to uh, Saturday's game with AFC Wimbledon once Greg's finished eating Pringles. Um, uh, So so that was Lee Novak there we just caught up with. That was the interview from after the game on... um on Saturday, uh, I, I, as you said, it, it must have been such a frustrating time for him coming back with, with, with this hand injury. I'm going to keep feeling until Greg's finished his yeah, Pringles sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with this hand injury. But but you know, a massive relief for him and and for McGinnis who did as well on Saturday to get, to, to get their first goals for the club. Yeah, um, McGinnis. I've, I was watching uh, Soccer Saturday as well as listening to Tell, and um, I said I think Jeff Stelling mentioned some stat about McGinnis. He hadn't scored in something like 17 games for for club or country and. So for someone like him, it's it's a, a relief. Um, he's someone who's gone quite close and has been a bit unselfish at times and has finally got that goal. So it's great for him and great for Novak as well. Yeah, as you said, he's he's someone who hasn't been involved at all, let alone um, uh, just the, the odd game here and there. I think his last game was against Northampton. He he made a brief appearance. I, I can't remember precisely, but so it's great news. For, it's great news for 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 Charlton that we, we're getting players back and scoring goals and Bataka as well. Somebody came off the bench. I've mentioned him already. He's he's someone we've not seen a lot of, and he was involved. So it's great great news all round. Yeah, excellent stuff. Right on Saturday, the uh, the club are launching a crossbar challenge. Now uh, it's, it's Charlton, the Charlton Club are, you, are launching it, and they're, I think they're slightly separate to the actual club, aren't they? The Charlton Club. It's something to do with the Valley Gold or something, rubber. Um, but yeah, they're, they're launching a, a crossbar challenge, uh, and you can win up to ten grand. By the looks of it, it starts off as, as five hundred pounds. Then every every week that it gets missed, it goes up by that five hundred quid. So it could, by the end of the season, it could conceivably be ten grand if if Charlton's fans are as bad as their players were last season. Um, <laughs> uh, so so yeah, they're picking up. I mean, a bit of halftime entertainment. We we haven't really had anything like that for a while, so that's good, I guess. Yeah, um, no, it's it's good. Usually at halftime, we, we come down to the press press room. Well, I do, and usually get you a pie. And, yeah, but no, I think do it's a very great. good I think job. It's a great idea. I think. Mm. Um, I know there's an idea you want to mention. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll let you. I'll let you explain it. I mean, this is. uh, Travelling the country, up and down, watching watching the addicts. You see some great halftime entertainment. I think it was the season before last up at Bolton. They they had a bloke in a Mexican hat running up and down doing some sort of like crossbar challenge where you had to keep running and he kept falling over. That was quite funny. Was that tell? (laughs) <laughs> with uh, with loud with uh, loud Mexican music playing in the background, but the, the the best of all time has got to be Sheffield Wednesday's. Not even it's not half half you know arse, it's quarter arse attempt of uh, chip the ball into the wheelie bin. I mean that's the sort of thing you set up in your garden when you're bored. That's that's not the so I I would have much preferred some sort of wheelie bin dumpster. You know recycling in this day and age maybe chip chip the ball into the trash receptacle game. 
you know, think how cheap they're easy to run as well. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was a great <laughs> bit of halftime entertainment. Yeah. We have some. I just think for halftime entertainment, we should just have a, a different singer each week come and sing a chant song. How about that? Oh, come and have that. Like, be on again, again, yeah. again, 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 again. again, again. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, other, the other one I've heard that was apparently muted years and years ago was apparently um, Wicks wanting to play chip the ball onto the shed and then was put a shed onto the pitch at halftime. We could have had some fun with the sofa last year. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> chip, chip, <laughs> half the, chip the ball onto the sofa. <laughs> chip, basically, just chip the ball anyway. Really. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it will be uh, the, the Charlton uh, club. I think if you buy if you buy a jackpot ticket or you're in Valley Gold, then you'll be entitled. You'll be entered into the draw by sounds. I think if you have if you have the jackpot ticket, you have yeah, to fill you have in. To, yeah, you have to fill something in and fill then in, put your details down. Yeah. Stuff you send around the ground. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, right. Saturday. Uh, uh, as we know, there's a, a, a very famous uh, Charlton player who, who's played for both clubs. Jason Yule still here now as the uh, development squad manager. Uh, Jason Yule uh, had a spell as the first team coach last year as well. An absolute Charlton legend. Our most expensive ever signing. Uh, we're trying to work out the other day. I haven't actually bothered looking it up whether he's our all-time leading Premier League goal scorer because it's, it's either going to be him or JJ, isn't it? So. Uh, I think it's your. Yeah, I think, so it's, I think that's it's probably your as well. Ben, so, I think Bent was second closest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, I thought Bent. So um, I forgot we had used to have good players. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so of course, um, Jason Yule's um, uh, a legend at both clubs. He played for the original Wimbledon. Uh, ended up playing for the uh, the, the new a- the AFC Wimbledon, and, and of course played for us in between. Um, uh, because of that, the, uh, the the club chose him to to do a a big feature for the program uh, this Saturday. Now we were lucky enough. Uh, Ollie was kind enough. To send me a snippet of that uh, of that interview, so you, you'll hear you'll hear about six minutes of it here. If you want to, uh, if you want to hear and read the rest, obviously you have to buy the program on Saturday. But this is a really good interview with Jason. You'll talks about his uh, affinity uh, with both clubs and he, his time at, at Wimbledon, especially when he was first sort of coming through the youth ranks when when the club was still very much a crazy gang. Uh, so some interesting stories here from Jason. You'll uh, so obviously we take on AFC Wimbledon on on Saturday. A team you obviously have a lot of affection for. Yes, where it all began for myself um, as a 12-year-old. And then it's things I've always said over the years when it's you're at a club like Wimbledon, family club, and then moving to Charlton as my first move and going into another family club. But just the memories that, that I've got there, a lot of teammates and friends that I still speak to now. We, we meet up every year at Christmas. And it's... Looking back at it, thinking when I started sort of knowing the first team players a lot more when I went in as a 16-year-old apprentice under the old YTS scheme, and you, you go sort of 23 years mm. further down the line, and it's they said they're all still close friends and people that I look up to because they said that's where everything sort of started for me as a footballer and as a person as well, and I learned a lot from being around that environment at the time of how football was. So everyone knows how. It was back in the day with stories and professionalism and unprofessionalism, and I said it sort of put me in a in a good position to where I am now. Obviously, you were a charm player by the time all the well-documented controversy surrounding the move to Milton Keynes happened. I mean, what what was your feelings around it at that time? What were your memories of of all that happening? I mean, it was a little bit before before I left. There was always the the talk and the rumours of probably relocating somewhere because we couldn't get back to, to Plough Lane at the time. And when it was the Norwegians that were involved, it was the plan of them looking to, to do what they did with Mulder in Norway, where it was relocate to a new stadium and sort of rebrandish the club again. And that talk was happening sort of just before 
before I left and then I think it was my first season when I joined joined Charlton I think the move happened later on in that year when they went up to to Milton Keynes at the hockey pitch and it was just from there it was just you just knew it just wasn't going to be the same asking your fans of so many years of that supporting that club to sort of now start making a two two and a half hour journey up the road to, to go and support them on a match day in their thousands and and from there it, cliche it may be just from there said the rest is history until you know, reformed of AFC it's a great story isn't it how far they've come in such a, a short period of time yeah um, and it's got that Wimbledon spirit I guess that was there originally so it is the original cover isn't it no it is it's about, I mean all the fans are the fans that, that have been supporting me when I was coming through as an 18 year old even when I go back there now it is still that that family orientated club and, and the fans club of them creating their own football team and to see where they've ended up in a, in a short space of time it's it's credit to them that they didn't want to give up in terms of this is their club and they want to see it at their rightful place in London and in Merton and with the, the last bits and pieces happening now for the, the planning permission to move him back to Plough Lane it's it's one of those things that people would never have thought that it could happen but it's down to persistence and you know, the love of the game and love of the team that you support in order that for it to happen and it's that close now to going back to the Plough Lane. It's been a while since Charlton and Wimbledon have met each other. You played in the last game in 1999. Charlton won 2-0. Do you have any, oh, yeah, it's at the any memories of that? It was on TV. Boxing Day was at... No, no, Park. sorry, yeah, yeah, the TV game, yeah. Yeah, Pringle and... I can't remember the other person. Yes, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah, the Valley, yeah. I remember that one. Got dragged. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it'll be... It's the, it's the thing is when... You have these games that you haven't had for a while. There's always some sort of memory attached to it, and again, this is going to be a, a different memory, being that it is a club that have sort of gone and now come back, and, and we find ourselves both competing in the same league. I mean, for us, it's not saying we want to be in League One, but that's where we are. But on, the, on Wimbledon's point of view, from where they started to being in League One in the short space of time, like I said earlier, it's 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 a, another game of in the history books really in terms of it being another Charlton Wimbledon game but under the circumstances of what both clubs have been through and being that it's a local derby as well I think it always adds that little bit of extra spice to it You must have some interesting uh, stories about the crazy gang and their antics where you you can share that you no, a victim no, of or anything you joined in on or is that strictly private? There's a code of silence yeah. Yeah, it's only it's only when we're sort of together where we can start reminiscing no but I mean with, as I said it's there's stories there and events and just the day to day of becoming a young footballer in that environment I said it, it's, it made me the player that I am and made me the person I am because I always say it, it was like the school of hard knocks there, there was no easy ride at, at Wimbledon mm-hmm. coming through it was a case if you're seeing a pro in the corridor you're making sure you're saying hello if you know there's a job to be done you're doing the job if the job wasn't done it's basically all the best because you know that the inevitable is going to happen you're going to um, run for not doing the job, jobs properly you're going to work harder in training because you haven't done the jobs properly and there was that strong discipline side of it not just as young lads but as a group as well and it was a no fear factor in terms of what we were sort of getting ourselves ready for match days because 
everyone thought, oh, it's just Wimbledon. We're always the underdogs, and we just had that no fear. And I think that's what got us the the credit and rewards because people took us for granted. But when they knew that at the end of the game, they knew they were getting they were getting a game of football and a bit more as well. But I mean, there are there's always stories that that we could discuss, but obviously not on air. <laughs> Listen to Chatwin Live here, Maritime Radio, big match preview, looking ahead to Saturday's game with AFC Wimbledon shortly. Uh, heard from Jason Yule there, an absolute legend from, from both clubs. Um, I'm sure we'll get a good reception from the, uh, the Wimbledon fans if they spot him up in the, in the press gantry where he normally sits tomorrow. Um, he, he was obviously very candid about some of the stuff that went on during the, the crazy gang days. You hear all sorts of stories, don't you, from, 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 from that sort of day and age. But he clearly spoke with a great affinity for the club and it didn't go too much into, into the fact they had to go to MK Dons, didn't go, in, go into it too hard. But obviously that, that is a big story, the, the way that Wimbledon ended up in Milton Keynes and AFC Wimbledon bought their own fans. And you, you must feel someone, someone who had such an affinity with a club like Jason Yule must be so frustrated to see what, what happened all those years ago. Yeah, I wonder if he was, I, I don't know if this is a fact, I imagine he wasn't, but I wonder if he was the first person to actually play for, for both clubs. Um, and I'm, not certain, be, I'm not certain, I'm not saying it'd be close, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's a good little stat, I mean, he's, he's obviously a legend there, and I think what I really like about Jason in that interview and, and in general is that you can show how much loyalty he has to towards Wimbledon in terms of that. He wasn't just a player there, he talked about how he came through the youth ranks, how they're the first club to give him a chance. Now, I'm not going to mention names here, but there's a few players who've played for us in the past who've who started their careers here, and I couldn't see them being the, the same. In, in Go on, name some names. Scott Go on, they, they probably won't uh, be listening. <laughs> yeah, Scott Parker's one. I, I couldn't see him saying, say, if there was another Charlton, let's say, like, say an AFC Charlton, I can see Scott Parker playing there and saying, oh, I have to give that back. I could be wrong. I, I hope yeah. I'm wrong, but that's just an assumption. Jermaine Defoe's another. Um, <laughs> But that's my point, really, is that Jason's showing a lot of loyalty. He shows that, you know, Wimbledon was the club that gave him that opportunity and he gave it back to them by going on loan there and, and trying to help them there and, and supporting them throughout and supporting their campaign to get a new ground. And I, I think it's great. And um, he's a credit to Charlton as well, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Red Chaser on the Charlton Live Forum uh, says, is uh, Greg Stubbley Kerr Carr's agent by any chance? Based, <laughs> <laughs> based on you... <laughs> no doubt it'll all be about bottom line on the budget spreadsheet at, at the uh, at the end of the day. And if it is all about bottom line, oh, look, players, look. I imagine Kirk will be perfect. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to say that I want Kirk here. I, it's just for sentimental reasons yeah. <laughs> rather than playing ability reasons. I mean, we've seen a lot worse, surely. Uh, I'm not sure we have. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we have. 
Uh, going back to Jason, I mean, obviously, we, we were tempted to do him as the Charlton Connection, but we thought we'd cheat because we already had the interview with someone else as the Charlton Connection. But it's, it's always good to talk about Jason Yule and try to think your, your favourite Jason Yule moment. I think it's, it's uh, the, the time he scored that brace against Chelsea, maybe? Yeah, um, yeah, certainly. Uh, goal, against, goal at Highbury, that was a good one. First goal against Derby. Yeah, especially as he was, an Arsenal, he was an Arsenal fan as well. He yeah. was an Arsenal fan as well. But um, from a personal point of view, it's, it's something a bit different. My favourite my favorite memory of Jason Yule is, is from his second spell at the club when we, when we got promoted that season. Um, because I remember him, it was against Carlisle in the FA, the FA Cup. Cup yeah. uh, and I remember he came on. And my dad had this this crazy bet that he was going to get the last goal in that game. And this guy below us was slagging him off left, right, and centre. I thought it was a bit disrespectful for for a Charlton legend. He was saying, "Oh, you know, he's not good enough. He should never been brought back." Blah 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 blah. All sort of calling him all sorts of names. I thought it was really harsh on a on a club legend. And my dad's quietly sitting there with that with his little bet on Jason to score the score the last goal of the game. And obviously Jason gets it. And this guy, he didn't even celebrate. He's almost like ashamed of himself. <laughs> I know it's a tapping, but yeah. it was, that was a great memory. He brought a yeah. few smiles. That yeah. goal where he got played across the box and he yeah, sort of mishit it just rolled yeah. in, didn't it? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. He's, it must have been his last ever goal for the Addicts. I remember that away in North County early on that season, he was uh, due to be on fighting talk, but had to withdraw because he was in the starting lineup. Man United, goal down away at final in the Europa League. Um, right, now we, we did have a, a Charlton connection uh, for this week. Uh, and uh, we put it out to vote because we were, we were trying to come up with the, with the choices today, um, and we, we we were coming up with a few names. Like we came up with the Hermanator, who we, who we will be talking about. We came up with uh, who else did we come up with? Uh, Chris Perry, um, Ben Thatcher. Although yeah, we, we, we came up with a few. I mean, I started off trying to figure out AFC Wimbledon. I thought, no, I'm not going to not going to go back in the past. I'll try and think of AFC Wimbledon. We came up with the likes of John Sullivan, who's now an estate agent in <laughs> in Las Vegas, gave up football, um, suffered from depression, and gave up football, and is making a career out in Vegas, which is a good little story. And then we sort of went into names like Kelly Yuga, uh, Rashid Youssef, Stacey Long, Harry Pell, Harry Pell, Michael Pell, Smith, Dean Parrott. I think still yeah, there. Dean Parrott's there, and Barry Fuller. Barry Fuller there. is a youngster here, so <laughs> there was a lot of names and. Then we sort of went back to the old Wimbledon. It's like, okay, we've got we've got a few better names here. <laughs> and yeah, so we put it out, put it out to the vote, and uh, I think Ben Thatcher got more than one vote, which I was very disappointed with. Uh, but it's, it's uh, Herman Herodotus <laughs> come out on top. We said he, he did twenty five games for Wimbledon before he went to Ipswich, and then ended up with us. Um, uh, Hermanator was a, a player who, who uh, was a major part of a, of, of a, one of a long spell in, in the Premier League, wasn't he? It's quite an underrated player for us, really. If you think about the, the amount of seasons he, he was with us, I mean, he was with us until uh, we, we got relegated, wasn't he? And he's, he's someone who always gave his all. Was was never really a sort of fan's favourite as such, but was a name that was often on the team sheet. Could play centre back, left back, and he had a lot of good games for us chipped in with a few goals my favourite moment of him is I think he scored against Everton Boxing Day yeah. and I remember him just the celebration was so passionate and well, it was quite it was, it was late on wasn't it yeah it was it was everything Charlton I think he was he was he was that sort of character during those years that, that summed up the club that somebody just worked hard that had um, ups and downs in his career and 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 established himself at the Valley for a few years and uh, you know, he's a defender I've all, or he always liked when I was when I was growing up. Mm. Yeah, it was open the scoring in that game against uh, Chelsea as well, the famous game. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, but yeah, when we see a player, I think he ended up um, managing out in Iceland. I don't know how he got on over there. Uh, yeah, I think he's still the manager. Of, uh, mm. I, I can't pronounce the, the name of the, 
the team he supports is like Flyker or something like that. He's, yes. He manages. Um, there's a good story I've got about Herman actually. In the summer, obviously Iceland out in in the Euros, a friend of mine from university um, went over there to to watch a couple of games, and one of them was Iceland. I can't remember which game it was, and they're, they're sitting in the the fans um, bar bit um, around the stadium, and all of a sudden he's, he walks past um, Herman Ryderson. And uh, th- this mate of mine's just a generic football fan, supports Spurs, I think, doesn't support China or anything, but he went over to him and said, oh, sorry, you Herman Horizon, they started chatting football. Anyway, um, they got talking and my mate said, well, I'm not, I'm actually not here supporting anyone, I'm going to support Iceland because they're the underdogs. I think they're playing Portugal. And Herman said, oh, here you are, and pulled out an Iceland um, shirt, two shirts from the back, from his rucksack he was carrying, <laughs> gave them to, to my mate and his mate, and and said, come and sit with us during the game, and they, they sat next to Herman Horidison, even oh, though yeah. they had tickets, they were, they were spare tickets, and sort of became secondary Iceland fans oh, during the tournament. Nice. So not only, a, not only a legend as a, as a Charlton player, and a really nice bloke as well. Yeah. Or, or just, just I, f- I find it funny though that he's managing out in Iceland but acts like a fan like that imagine yeah. like Russell Slade turning up to an England away game singing like three lines <laughs> yeah. on a shirt yeah. <laughs> I, can, I, I vaguely remember from a tournament from a few years ago that a couple of like English non-league players got uh nicked for fighting at England games so they, they were truly getting into the spirit of things yeah. <laughs> uh, Nathan's uh, Nathan's tweeted in saying that he's uh, going to download the podcast to listen uh, when it, when he's when he's at the side of his pool Nathan and Tom both on holidays this week which isn't uh, not fair at all is it oh I can't really talk I'm on holiday in two weeks time <laughs> oh, so terrible, terrible <laughs> so good on them yeah. well done lads right so next week uh, in the big match preview ahead of the Oxford game we'll have to think of someone else who's played for both both teams so that'll be more googling won't it yeah well not for me I'm not might <laughs> 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 it's your job or Tom yeah. or Nathan whoever <laughs> right uh, Saturday uh, the, obviously it's the uh, the game with um, AFC Wimbledon but the fir- first thing first Charlton Card either, uh, the, the, the coalition against Roland Duchatelet were at the forefront of leading all the protests uh, last season they've announced it's going to be black and white day obviously we often have red white and black day but they're doing a black and white day slightly different uh, they want uh, fans who've all, t- who've all purchased the black and white protest shirt uh, to meet for a, uh, I think behind the north stand for a, a photograph at two thirty-five, like a team photo. But basically, anyone wearing black and white to to join in, they they want to they want to show how uh, the levels of uh, discontent with with the board are, are still sort of there. Really, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, I assume, I assume so. I haven't actually read the, the the proper statement that's given out for it or the encouragement yet, but. I assume that is the case, and there will be a lot of fans who are, who are still feeling that way. And and certainly, the despite being in, in in League One and trying to improve and get promoted to the Championship, even if we do get promoted to the Championship, there'll still be a lot of grumbles. And as you mentioned, the, the Andrew Cross thing earlier, stories like that that keep propping up, and it's just going to continue. And you can you can have all the communication in the world, you can have all the the changes behind the scenes, but the one thing that that won't go away is this this trust level. Will fans be able to trust the board again? And I can't see that ever happening again. I cannot see um, your generic Charlton fan tr- trusting the board for for a very long time. And it, the scars are still there from last season. The, the scars of of the, the season before and the second of Chris Powell are still going to be there. And I think it's going to take something monumental to, to change that and whether that be a, ch- a change in direction or a, a change of personnel I don't know but the, you know if they want that change it's, it's not going to happen overnight it's, it's going to be a long time so um, credit to the, to the fans who, who are 
um, unhappy to to go out in their numbers and try and su- to support their club as well as, as show their discontent for, the, for what's going on. Yeah, and it's interesting, I guess, the fact is AFC Wimbledon is really quite a, a, a significant club to be playing on, on this particular weekend because because it's a club who's they've they've been through their own battles. We we all know what happened to Wimbledon where they ended up moving up towards uh, to Milton Keynes, and, and whereas you could argue the Wimbledon fans lost, they lost their battle because they lost the club. It went to Milton Keynes, but they started a new one. It's a you know a, a fan base that has, has gone through adversity. I've noticed that the trust. Uh, the, Ch- the China Athletic Supporters Trust have released an open letter to uh, to welcome the AFC Wimbledon fans to, to Saturday's game and say that you know we uh, we hope we never have to call on you for advice on setting up AFC Charlton, but we look for you to you for inspiration in our darkest hour. And after Saturday, we wish you a successful season. You are the standard bearers uh, for a better way to run a football. So there's, there's a lot of you know the, the protest movement going on at Charlton and, and the the stuff that these AFC Wimbledon fans have gone through. There's, there's, you can see a lot of similarities there. Well, I was just about to say you can you can on the flip side you can probably suggest that. AFC Wimbledon, when they first started up, probably looked to Charlton and looked at the way that the fans gathered around the, the Back to the Valley campaign and, and probably thought, well, you know, that, that was a, a, a team that had its supporters form a political party, then we, we can form a football team and, and progress through. And it, I find it remarkable when you, you just think it wasn't that long ago and in reality of how far they've progressed and how well they've done and to, to, to come to League One and face the, 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 the Milton Keynes Dons is it's something remarkable and something that probably won't happen in football again not for a long while I'd imagine at least so credit credit to them and it's a football club everyone sort of admires the, the way they've they've <laughs> come up and, and everyone sort of got a soft spot for them for that yeah. reason and I'm, I'm glad they're in this league and I look yeah. forward to, to them coming to the Valley on Saturday yeah. well, I was saying on Sunday show they say it's obviously everyone I mean as a Charlton fan in particular the, the battles we our, our fan base went through before our time but they did it on our behalf and you know and, and you see that the stuff that we would have gone through you, you have you have to take your hat off to Wimbledon but as a Bromley fan <laughs> when, <laughs> when we would do AFC Wimbledon and Bromley were coming up through non-league together we had a, we have a tasty little rivalry, dude. So it's always it's always ever so slightly tainted when I have to be nice to everyone. But you do you do respect them for what they've done. Uh, Half time whistle's gone at Meadow Lane. It's a uh, halftime England women free Estonian nil. Uh, they've already qualified for the World Cup, but they're still going. They're still going. And the full time whistle's gone in final. The final one Man United nil. Uh, interesting, right? So the, the the game itself on Saturday, obviously, Charlton on this was it five games unbeaten now in the league, six games unbeaten. I haven't done the maths. Yeah, no. it's, it's five. Or, it's five or six unbeaten now after that, that that late point picked up at Fleetwood. I mean, that, that's a little head of steam, really, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it was interesting that Slade called today a bit of a side with step that game against Fleetwood, and he's probably right. I mean, what from what I was listening to and those who were there, there was they're saying it was a bit of a average, below average performance, mm. and we, we in the end probably point was the right result yeah. but we were a bit lucky to get we, that we, goal. we got ourselves out of jail with that late goal and we put ourselves in jail with the two goals we conceded which were yeah, really important I, you know I, I think there will be mistakes over the next couple of weeks and I still expect that I think it will take time but I think it's a shame that we saw that progress against Shrewsbury and teams like that and then against Bolton it was a bit stop start throughout the game it was a difficult game and then away at Fleetwood is, a, is another difficult game. We've got to think of where Fleetwood are on the table. I know it's still early days, but they do have some good good players there and, and it will be a difficult side to beat at home this season. But um, the one thing I will give credit for for Slade's team is that we've seen on both occasions against Bolton and Fleetwood that the team's not given up and have managed to, to crawl back, crawl back um, 
late levelers, and that's fair, that's fair play. But we've got the differences. We've got to try and control the game. We did that against Shrewsbury, where we dominated possession and dominated the game. And we need to start off quicker. We need to mm. start games quicker and get early goals quicker, rather than inviting the pressure like we did against Bolton and uh, Fleetwood. Because yeah, I guess in terms of early domination, I think Shrewsbury is probably the only game where we've seen yeah, that so far. Yeah, off the top of my head. Yeah, I think. Away from home is always diff- more difficult to, to dominate, and mm. I think what we've got to learn from that is: Are we going to line up against on the counter attack, or you know, the, the formation on Saturday suggested we were going to go from it from the start, um, and you leave yourself a little bit open at the back. So, I mean, there's, there's something there that needs to be worked on, especially away from home. We've, mm. um, you know, the, we we need to start to to establish ourselves what we want. From, from our side away from home and, and hopefully try and get a few more away victories. Yeah, team news-wise, it sounds like Jacko's going to be back in contention. I think uh, when we spoke to Russell after the game on uh, against Fleetwood, he said he was hoping to get him back in training by Monday and, and he, he said today that, that Jacko's going to be back. So, yeah, we're, we're starting to get these, these little bits of competition now. We've got the... Uh, the old stad fella from uh, from Burnley online. There's you know there's bodies now in, in central midfield. Uh, now that Lee Novak's come back, there's choices up top as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does on Saturday, Slade. I think Draco will come in if he's captain. If he's fit, he'll start. Whether that's for Ulfsted or um, uh, Cross is remain to be seen. But uh, I think Draco will start, and I think Novak might be given an opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Jose. I, I wouldn't actually be surprised to see a Jose drops, but. Um, we'll we'll see about that. I think I think McGuinness getting his goal of the weekend, and then Novak as well. It'd be a bit harsh to to drop one of those two, but it'll be harsh on, on a Jose who's, who's not really had the rubber of the green at times. Yeah. But um, that, like you said, it's an option, and also Jordan Bataka as well. He's a, you know he came on it's got that confidence well. now, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of competition for places, and that's what we didn't have yeah. at the start of the season. So hopefully the season goes by, we'll, we'll, we'll get more and more. Yeah. So much, I mean, there's a couple of names that have almost become, I don't know if forgotten is the right word, but I mean, uh, George Tashari is one we talk about, it sounds like he's injured, but to me it sounds like, I don't, I don't think he's going to be in Russell's plans at all when he comes back. I'd be very surprised, actually, um, personally, because, I, I, who's it? I mean, from a, from a fan's perspective, you think our best two centre-backs will probably be Texera and maybe Bauer or Pierce. But in reality, you think, well, Jason Pierce has been one of our most expensive. I imagine, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but Jason Pierce has been an expensive signing, won the league last year with with uh, Wigan. And then um, Bauer has not even been starting recently. Cons has been, been ahead of him. So really, you you can't say any of them deserve to be dropped for, for Texera. So I think, I think you're right. In a, mm. And whether Cons has given a rest on Saturday and Bauer's been given the first, first team start, I, I don't know, but... Um, it's a centre back this year, and Harry Lennon's another player. Yeah, I mean the competition for places are, are massive at the back. Another snippet I picked up during the week is apparently El Hadji Bar is actually training with the twenty one, so it sounds like he's not he's not in anyone's plans here anytime well, soon. Well, there you go. Whether that's uh, because he's he needs fitness and he's sent to the under twenty ones to get that, I don't know. But he's someone who on all these days a good player. We've, mm. we, you know, he gets a lot of stick, but last year he had a couple of games where he changed it for us. And I remember Bristol City away um, on Boxing Day, he came on was was our best player, and we, we ended up getting a point. So he does have it in him, but it's whether he has it in him in, in, in mm. on a mental 
um, side of things, whether he's ready to for the challenge of League yeah. One, and well, that's Russell's decision at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, it's only very quickly, but Wimbledon, Wimbledon haven't had the most auspicious of starts. They sat in the twenty first place in relegation zone with five uh, five points. They lost lost narrowly to Sheffield United in their last game. I've noticed they've lost a lot of games narrowly. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't really got time to expand on that because we're twenty seconds from the end of the show. The ne- uh, Nepalese community are coming up next on uh, Maritime Radio. This has been Charlton Live, Mr. Greg Stubbley. Thank you for joining us. Here. Thank you, Louis. Thank you, everyone, tuning in. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live, the big match. We'll be back on Sunday uh, here on Maritime Radio, 7pm, to rake over the coals of whatever happens against, uh, against Wimbledon on, uh, on uh, Saturday. We'll see you later. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.